Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it is beautiful. If you find you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red tell me more button, and start creating your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash speaking of partnership. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Get yours today. I'm excited to bring you today's featured guest, Lisa Copeland. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Ken. Thank you for having me here. Oh, my pleasure. And any of you listening today that maybe you don't know Lisa's work, let me just give you a little bit of background. Lisa is known as the expert on over 50s dating. She's an Amazon best-selling author of The Winning Dating Formula for Women Over 50 and a regular Huffington Post contributor. Her passion is showing women around the world how to find love again with a good man after 50. Lisa, take a minute and fill in any additional information around your intro and, and give us a little glimpse into your personal life, if you would. I'd be happy to, sure. Um, I also write for various online magazines, too, like Vibrant Nation and 60 and Me. And Katie Couric, just an interesting tidbit, Katie Couric quoted one of my articles on her show. She had Patty Stanger on The Millionaire Matchmaker, mm -hmm. and they were both on Katie's show. She did not like my article. It chagrined her. It was about why alpha women have a hard time attracting an alpha male. And she announced she was chagrined by the article. But it was kind of a fun thing. And it was exciting to have my article known by Katie Couric. Or read nice. by Couric. So uh, a little bit about me. Well, I was not always good at dating or relationships. I had two failed marriages. One was 24 years and one was two years. And when I came out of those, I felt like a real failure, like I was never going to figure this out. And I went crying to my sister because I had looked for coaches. But back then, I was in my um, 40s, there was no one out there that was older than like 30 <laughs> doing coaching. And mm -hmm. I thought, God, they're not going to know what it's like to date in your 40s and 50s. And I call my sister crying and I go, oh my God, I'm never going to have a relationship. I'm always going to be a failure. And so she said, get out there and do research. And I really, I did. And it's the research that I did that got me the amazing relationship I'm in now. And that same research is what I teach clients. I used it and my clients use it to find quality men to date and be in relationship with. That's great. And, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's a very different, different uh, environment when you're dating a little further on in your life. I just turned 50 in April. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, when I work with people that have like been in relationships or been married, and then they're like, yeah, I'm just starting to date again. I'm in my 50s. You're, we're lost. 
Yes. <laughs> it's like the whole world so different, especially if you were in a, a marriage or something for 20, 25 years. You're like, this doesn't look anything like it did when I was there. No. And the other part about it is, is when you're dating over 50, well, I found that when I was dating in my 40s, number one, a lot of it was actually very sexual. Men were more into sex. It was more about touchy-touchy. As everyone ages into their 50s, it's not that the sexual part wanes. It's just that what comes up is people really want the friendship part too. It's not that they don't want sex, but they want friendship because the, they need the support. They want the support. And they want to have someone in their life that's got their back. Also, as people age, more sexual dysfunction happens. So for men, it is a very, very tough uh, tough area to deal with. It really, as you know, you're a man. <laughs> it, it does something to your ego. You know, it's really hard. And women don't always understand that this is such an issue. And this, this is part of what happens in over 50s dating. And women are surprised by it because our moms sure didn't tell us this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you something, Lisa. One, one of the things that I always ask our guests is I'm, I'm curious what I call it a guiding principle, but it could be a, a mantra, a quote, something that you use to kind of keep you on track in partnership. So when things aren't maybe going so well, you can get, bring yourself back when you you tap into this. And, and what do you use for you and how would that apply for our listeners? One of the biggest things I had to learn was when you come into conflict was to let a man go take that anger down to a lower level. I always thought like, oh no, let's settle this right now, right on the spot. And I found that men can't. Actually, it feels like an attack to them. Uh, when they're when we're coming after them and going, oh, but I really want to talk about it. Oh, let's work this out. Oh, I think the biggest thing I learned was that men really do work it out in their heads. When they've calmed down is the time if you need to talk about it. But the other thing was that I learned is you can't work out everything. You have to really pick and choose what's important because in the end, otherwise, I feel like it can really kill the romance. And I'd say the other mantra is to have fun. Let the relationship be fun and playful. It doesn't have to be so serious. It's having fun is really in a relationship is like the best thing. And that I think is my biggest mantra is to play and have fun. Well, I couldn't agree more with that. <laughs> and I want to comment on your, your point about men, you know, not wanting to address it right away and, and need to sort it out in their heads. And it's it's funny because there's the proverbial man cave, right? Right. And for the for most women, that feels like, oh, he's pulling away. He's going away right. from me. But really what the man cave is from a man's viewpoint is we know you'd have no reason to have to deal with us right now the way we are. Mm-hmm. And so we go there so we can come back and be our best selves with you instead of bringing you this crazy nut job that that is currently all wound up. Right. But most women don't understand that because we as women like to work it out right there and like to figure it out and roll it around and process it. But men aren't like that. And it 
you can tell me better, Kim, because you are a man. It feels like you guys really need to also work this out in your own head, which happens usually fairly quickly as long as we don't bug you and miss you. <laughs> Thank you. And then you guys come back happy as can be. As, and that's hard for women because we're still holding on to it and you all have worked it out. <laughs> that's really a tough thing. And that's what I had to learn was, all right, do I need to bring this back up? Is it that relevant to the relationship remaining good? Because some stuff is just things that bother us and it escalates to, I mean, little things that escalates to this argument, which it's really nothing. It's just, it's nothing. And so sometimes you have to let it go. And I think for women, it's pretty hard sometimes. Whereas, like I said, you guys come back, oh, you know, everything's good. <laughs> We're seething. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of that, I think, is partly driven by the fact that, like, the man goes off to his man cave, and that's, to the woman, that feels like separation. Like, we just lost our connection. Yes. And yes. what I always remind women is men built man caves. If we wanted to get away from you, we would have built man tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> there would be a back door. There's yeah. no way for us to go anywhere but come back. Yes. So all your job is is to hang out and let us do what we got to do in there so we can come back to you mm -hmm. in our best form as opposed to going, let's go in and see what he's up to. Right. That's not going to work. <laughs> I, it actually aggravates the situation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we yeah. all need space in different ways, but that's one way that men need it. So I'm glad you, you brought that up. Well, let me ask you this then, Lisa, because what our show likes to focus on and what our listeners love about the show is, is the stories that our guests share. And I, I'd love to ask you to share a story of a time in your life when, well, you kind of tripped up in your partnership and, and just tell us what was going on, what you trip on, and then, you know, what were you able to learn from that to move forward? Great question, Ken. I'd say the biggest trip up that I ever made, I made it actually both in my first and second marriage. And that is knowing that there were red flags before it got serious and just ignoring them. And when something is not right from the beginning, it's only going to increase as a little, like something that's constantly poking at you. And over the years, it gets worse. When I work with women, we create a quality man template. And the reason I do this is in black and white, they print this thing out and they really have taken a look at the patterns of men they're attracted to, the values that are important to them, the qualities they want in a man, how they want to feel around a man, and their deal breakers. We as women have this tendency to settle thinking someone will change over time. It doesn't happen. So I'd say with both my husbands, I knew there were red flags and I ignored them. The second biggest thing I had happen in my second marriage, we met and had unbelievable chemistry. And I thought that was like the coolest thing. I'd never had that with someone. And what ended up happening is we fell in lust, not love. And we had like a heart connection and a sexual connection, but the friendship was missing. And with that missing, you cannot have a complete relationship. So we could not deal with anything because we didn't have the friendship issue. It's why the marriage only lasted two years. I think that chemistry thing is huge because people go out there and they think that chemistry is the most important thing. 
chemistry wanes over time. Everybody's been in a relationship where you can't keep your hands off each other in the beginning, and that slows down. You really do want to have that friendship. And it was a big eye-opener for me. Both of those marriages were in terms of passing up red flags and putting value on things like chemistry that ended up creating a, a terrible relationship that was just based on hormones. Yeah, those can really be, <laughs> they can be tricky, right? Yeah. Because it's so enticing and it's so culturally uh, supported. Oh, that's what you want. Oh, now you got something if you've got that chemistry. That's it's right. Like, well, you do have something. It's just not the thing that you're looking for. You do. And the problem is we mistake lust and love. We mix them up. And I thought I was so in love, but truthfully, we were in lust. And then when the rose, we got married very quickly. We got engaged after three months and married within a year of meeting each other. And when those rose colored glasses started coming off, those problems were there. They were there before we got married. We never had any business getting married. And what ended up really happening was, is we were having some issues and he said, do you think maybe we should hold off on this? And I was getting the wedding I never had. Like my first marriage was my mother's wedding and I was so into all this wedding planning. It was like, I wasn't bridezilla, but I was definitely, <laughs> I want my wedding, you know? And that was a mistake because yeah. we did have issues and we just never should have gotten married. And then once the wedding stuff ended, the planning, it's like, oh, there we were. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know that happens in a lot of marriages and why they break up because so much emphasis is put on the wedding planning. And there's the wedding planning is such a minuscule amount of a relationship, but it becomes huge as it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, as my friend used to call it, it's a powerful machine. Mm -hmm. that once you start it up, it just is running. And next thing you know, you're like, you, you don't even know where the off switch is. Right. And so you end up getting married and then you stop and go, what are we doing here? Right. Oh, well, my gosh. We, we didn't have what we needed and we didn't address it because we were caught up in the all the things tied to this big wedding machine. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely something to, to be aware of. What I'd, I'd like to do now is, is just shift a little bit. Now, I asked you to tell me about a time you tripped up, and now what I'd like you to do is tell me about a time when you had what I call one of those duh moments, where you're just like, geez, how have I missed this? I can't believe I've been such a knucklehead all this time. It's been right in front of me. Tell me what happened, and then what did you do to take that wake-up moment and make it a building block? I think the biggest wake-up call for me was I was in that marriage for tw first marriage 24 years. I was in a relationship for two and a half years and then a marriage for two. So all three of those men were, um, well, actually, the first one was fine. It was the second two. As they were leaving, they said to me, Lisa, you don't know how to let a man be a man. and when it happened the first time, I just thought he was nutso because I always got along great with men. It was never a problem. But that's because I got along with them in a friendship way, not a romantic way. Mm. Then when my second marriage ended, which had so many problems to it because we didn't have the friendship, he too said, Lisa, you emasculated me. You don't know how to let a man be a man. 
And I looked at him and I said, can you tell me what that means to you? And the biggest thing I learned just from that question was men can't always describe what that means. They know how it feels to them. I found that men have so much stronger emotions than we as women give them credit for. And it hurts them to feel emasculated. So when I heard it the second time, I decided something must be going on here and I need to look into this. And that was part of that whole failed marriage thing when I started doing uh, the research into dating and men and relationships. And they were right. I did emasculate them because I came from the generation of women's lib, which was amazing for getting us jobs. But it really messed with the roles, which is really in our DNA coding for men to make us feel safe and protected. And for women who were there to um, be the nurturers, to, to, allow, to receive from men. Now, in the 50s, things were harder for women. And so a balance had to come in place. And Women's Live was great for that. But we lost the roles and how to work them out. And so I came out of my first marriage. We had roles. We were a little like, you. I don't know if um, you remember the show with June and Ward Cleaver. Oh, Did sure. you ever watch it? Okay. So that's kind of how we were, except I never came to the table in pearls. But <laughs> he, my first husband, his job was to provide financially for us. And everything else I did. So I knew how to do insurance. We even put an addition on. I knew how to do that. I came out of that marriage like, I am woman. Let me roar and I can do it better than you. So no wonder men felt emasculated by me because I wasn't letting them be men. And that was a huge eye opener. Also, it was to ask to have men step up and be my hero. I didn't recognize how important that was for men to um, to want to make me happy because I had always been in a position where I had to make them happy. And when I finally came to understand this, what ended up happening was men started telling me, oh my God, you're the best date I've ever been on. And can we go out again? And because I learned how to let a man be my hero, I learned how to receive. So I bless all my marriages, all my relationships, because it got me to where I am today. Am I still learning about men? Yes, because I, I can come from that alpha side. That's what I was taught to be. And under stress, I can go right to it, as can many women, because we, were, we had to learn how to protect ourselves and how to keep ourselves safe and you know, safe. So it's very easy to just let that take over if I'm under stress. But fortunately, I have a man in my life who will put my face in his hands and look me in the eyes and say, I'm here for you if you need me. And that is like the best thing. I don't have to do it by myself anymore. So that, I guess, is my biggest story that happened was really coming to understand men because we want men to accept us for who we are, but we don't always accept men for who they are. And we kind of roll our eyes at them and, you know, it's, but, but men are really actually amazing, amazing. We just have to learn to understand them. 
Yeah, and and it goes both ways. Obviously, is, mm-hmm. is you know when we I, I do a lot of work with helping men and women understand each other mm-hmm. so that we can actually work the way we were designed, which is to work right. in harmony. Right. And be, most of the problems that we have is where we're trying to imprint and project the way we would do it on our partner. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if they don't do it that way, we take it personally. Like they knew what to do and they purposely aren't doing it. And that's making me mad when it's like, no, they don't because they're not you. Right. Right. They're never going to guess that. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to guess what they need. So you've got to take the time. Uh, It was it was really interesting. My my uh, girlfriend, Anna, said to me one time, she said, you know, I've done so much work on myself. Mm -hmm. And then. After she and I started dating and she started, you know, hearing some of the things that I I teach and so on, she goes, it occurred to me that no matter how much work I did on myself, I was never going to have the kind of relationship I wanted until I understood men. Right. Exactly. That's what happened with me, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really an eye opener. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. It's really for both sexes. It's learning to accept who you are. I think you hit the nail on the head. We want people to change. In fact, men over the years, once they, when I was dating and they found out I was a dating coach, a lot of them became my friends and they just loved telling me all kinds of things about profiles and men and all this other, all these other things. And they said one of the hardest things was, women coming in and telling them how to change their lives, like that they're not eating the right foods, they're not chewing right, they're not speaking right, <laughs> the wallpaper's not right. And I understood it because we as women think we're like, uh, that it's we're doing this because it's really in the man's best interest, but the man doesn't want to be our pet project. And I tell women, look, you don't like him for who he is, go find someone else. He's got to be the one. If he wants to change something, that's up to him to do it, not up to you to make him do it. So I think what you said was perfect for that. You know, the point you made about accepting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. It's really, really huge. Mm -hmm. Well, Lisa, let me ask you this. I'm I'm curious. We've we've kind of been talking about some, you know, pitfalls, if you will. And and I'd love to have you share with us one of your proudest partnership moments. And it might have been family. It might have been romantic. It might have been career, wherever it showed up for you. But what I typically find around these is these are the kind of times where when I think back to that partnership moment, I can't help but smile. What's one of those for you? I think that one of my proudest moments was when I was learning about men And I was sitting with a, I was at a conference and sitting with a male friend and my girlfriends came up and they said to me, Lisa, Lisa, let's take a picture together. And I turned to my male friend and I said, Jean, could you do me a favor? I really need your help. Could you take a picture of us? And he's, it was like magic. He said to me, Lisa, I love when women ask me for my help. And that was like, oh my God. This is like such power. This is, and it was so easy to do. And in the past, it was like I had to push to get my needs met. And all of a sudden, the man was saying, "Yeah, I'd love to help you." And that is probably the biggest moment that taught me magic about relationships, and the the that men really love love making us happy, emotionally healthy men. Yeah, no, it's 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 very true. And 
one thing I always mention when, when people talk about this and, and we use the caveat, you know, a healthy man, mm-hmm. the thing to remember is the vast majority of men are healthy. Mm-hmm, they are. We like to project, right. oh, well, he just must be screwed up. He's got a problem. It's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Just because he's different than you doesn't mean he's got a problem. Right. It doesn't mean he's malfunctioning. It means he's a man. Mm-hmm. And so when you can recognize that, and, and it, it's so funny because uh, I can't remember who said this. They said, for a man, it, it's like a problem for a man is like a, a squirrel to a dog. Mm-hmm. We can't resist it. We want to go, hey, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Where yeah. for most yeah. women, it's very hard to say, oh, there's a problem here because that, that doesn't feel good because you want to be perfect. You want to have everything working. You want to be you know improving. And it's hard to own it. But when you do, the guy's like, I'm on it. That's my gift. That's what I yeah. love to do more than anything. I'm a provider. That's my that's my yeah. hardwiring. Let yeah. me know what it is. And like your friend said, boom, I, that, I'm thrilled to jump in there and do that. I think the other magical moment for me was in the relationship I'm in now. And I was getting ready to do a, t- a teleseminar which, uh, on the phone. And... We, my guy and I were going to have dinner and he was so sweet. He said, let me make you dinner. I don't want you to worry about anything. And he brought me a cup of tea while I was on my teleseminar. And it's like, he was, he wanted to fix and make sure I was okay. And that's really hard for women to recognize that men really want to make sure we're okay. We take that role on a lot of times. And when we do, we become a man's mother and we kill the romance. And when my teleseminar was over, I came upstairs and he got up and he gave me the biggest hug. And he was so encouraging and so supportive. And he said, tell me all about it. But it was like, wow, this is like so cool. Someone wants to take care of me and, you know, really make sure I'm happy. That was another magical moment. And receiving from him was huge for me to open up and receive. Yeah. And 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 when a woman does that for a man, mm-hmm. that is like the best gift you can give him is being receptive to these things he's compelled to mm-hmm. do for you. Mm-hmm. It's so. like, it's, it's amazing. It is. It, it's mm-hmm. absolutely, it's where the harmony happens. Where we're mm-hmm. like, oh, like you were awesome at that, and all I got to do is let you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This. Why was this so hard? <laughs> <laughs> well, women were taught to be such overgivers, and we took on that masculine role of overgiving. Mm-hmm. Whereas you guys are really in a relationship. That was another thing I found. I was giving a ninety-nine percent which trains a man to not do for you. And when I came to understand men, now it's, you know, more like 60, 40, 55, 50, sometimes 50, 50. But I've learned to receive versus to always do. And wow, really, you know, when you you bring this up and I think about it, and I didn't realize this when I was busy emasculating men, I was losing so much about men and letting them be men and you guys are really just wonderful we just don't get you sometimes <laughs> yeah and, and, and again it goes both fun. ways so yeah you, you're definitely making some really brilliant points here and you know it's 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 funny because 
we're at a point in the show, I call it bring it all home. And this is where we step away from the stories and we kind of focus on like some concrete, simple guidance for our listeners to apply. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to ask you, Lisa, we've had so many little nuggets that we've thrown around here, but I want you to give us what would you say is your best, actually the best partnership advice you've ever received? That I ever received. Correct. It's really what I researched. Oh, great. What was that? So, and it is, I think it really has to do with one, allowing, which we just talked about, allowing a man to be a man and as a woman, letting a man give to us in the way that they want to give and accept it and receive. That is, I think, the biggest thing because we as women being community oriented, we're always looking for a better way to do things. And that goes back to that best interest thing. You know, we think it's in the best interest to tell a man it could be done better. But no, I think it's allowing him to give in the capacity that he can give. Because we do the same thing. We give in the capacity we can give and want them to accept it in us. And I think it's really important we accept it with men. And and you'll get so much more from a relationship when you realize your power comes from getting a man to be your hero versus ordering him or demanding or controlling him to be what you want him to be. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, let me ask you this then, Lisa. What, mm-hmm. what would you say is the book or the resource that you'd recommend to our listeners and why that particular one? I would say any of Alison Armstrong's work. I think she's really got the deepest understanding of men of anyone I've ever read. And she's done so much research. Her she just really helps you see who men are and who women are too. Because truthfully, we think we know ourselves, but we don't always recognize how we're coming across. And she also has that insight into that as well. I love her work, Alison Armstrong. Yeah, she's she's mm-hmm. actually a, a very dear friend of mine. I've done a lot of work with her. Mm-hmm. And, and for any of you ladies listening, I know sometimes you... There's a niggling doubt that, well, how would a woman know this about men? I actually have men read her work to learn more about themselves. Right. Because right. it clears up the details of why we do what we just do. We don't even know. We just do it. And mm-hmm. she's broken it down to this is the catalyst that's causing this behavior. And we're like, oh, yeah, that is why I do that. <laughs> it's it's so eye-opening. It was hilarious the first time I read her book, Making Sense mm-hmm. of Men. Mm-hmm. And I realized I needed to read it as much as any woman did. Right. Well, and her her work about women is the yeah. same way. Yeah. The same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a fan of podcasts, you are clearly somebody who enjoys listening to great content while you're doing something else. You're driving to work. You're at the gym. Maybe you're cleaning the house. How would you like to be able to listen to the incredible books that our guests recommend in the exact same way? For you, the listeners of Speaking of Partnership... Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. All the books that have been recommended are absolutely incredible, and you can find them at audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, you simply go to audibletrial.com forward slash speaking of partnership. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash speaking of partnership for your free audiobook. Well, let's do this, Lisa. I I would love to have you leave our listeners with what I call an example of the payoff of partnership. And what I mean by that is 
a specific example of something you were either able to do or create or experience that was totally the result of being in partnership and it wouldn't have happened on your own? I would say this cooperation, getting this cooperation of the man in my life, because in the end, and having respect for him, by respecting him, he in turn feels more empowered and in turn he cherishes me and adores me which makes me cherish and adore him which makes him respect me it's that whole big cycle but and it just makes the relationship so much lighter and more fun allowing him to be allowing him to be who he is is truly the best thing that and enjoying him i think enjoying each other we're so busy trying to change each other sometimes that we forget to find the joy in who the other person is. Yeah. And finding that was the best thing. And truly, I now have the best relationship of my life as a result of everything I teach. And I live it every day. It, it changes your life. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. Well, Lisa, I, I think it's pretty clear to all our listeners, I know it is to me, that you have a lot of information you can share with people and ways you can help them. And I'm wondering if you would let the listeners know just how do they contact you? How do they learn more about what you do? I'd love to. I specialize in helping women over 50 find the love of their life. And I have a great free gift called The Five Little Known Secrets for Finding Quality Men. And you can find it at findaqualityman.com. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> Well, Lisa, I, everything you've shared with us today has just really been incredible. I, I know I've I've learned a lot, and, and certainly I'm sure our listeners are sitting there going, "Wow, this is this is so rich." Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Oh, thank you, Ken, for having me here. It was so much fun, and I loved getting to know you as a male colleague. <laughs> Likewise, well, as a female colleague. <laughs> yeah, <I get> it. <laughs> thank you, Lisa. Bye, Ken. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.